Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mystery on the rocks. Oh, yeah. Mystery on. The rocks, yeah. Mystery on the rocks, yeah. Right. And welcome to another episode of Mystery on the Rocks, the show where we take unsolved true mysteries and cocktails and put them together and drink them and you listen to us drinking them and talking about stuff. <laughs> Hello, I'm Masood. With me, as always, is the fantastic Suze Kepner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the amazing Chris Stokes. Thanks, Masood. Nice to be here. You're... <laughs> <laughs> that was, you know what that was? That was uh, someone who was invited a guest onto their podcast, and the guest is a filler guest. <laughs> I'm glad to be here, but I don't want to like be too excited. Like, it's good to be here. Is that what I say? I feel very yeah. seen. I feel seen. Yeah, no, um, I, do you know what um, my thing? I've... My energy was actually I'm on a game show, but I'm 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 not here for the experience. I'm 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 here to, I'm here to win. I want the prize. You're here to... <laughs> that was the you know energy. As, as you said that, I pictured you on something like Bullseye, and as soon as you said it's good to be here, and then I pictured you look down at your shoes, and in your head you're like, I'm going to win. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Up, yeah. The, the, it, it's the same tone of voice all the way through. Every time the host asks a question, it's like, yeah. um, thank, thank, thank you very much. Good to be here. The answer is yes. I will gamble. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And it's like that. And you're my favorite, uh, uh, um, like person on the show because cool as a cucumber. The whole show, everyone else is panicking. They're like, oh, I don't know. And you're just like. Uh, yeah, and you're just, um, I'm just like, Fuck <laughs> this guy. Somebody asked, yeah, one of the one of the questions to the other contestants is which planet in the solar system, blah blah blah, and they answer Capricorn, and I go like this. <laughs> <laughs> and when the camera cuts to you, I'm like, this fucking guy, it's he just, knows. He does like a tiny little. Yeah, yeah. and then uh, and then I'm waiting with like a really smug like smug look on my face and then the host yeah. is like no I'm afraid it's not Capricorn move over to Chris and then I go the answer's Jupiter and it's the same <laughs> tone all the way through you say the answer is oh, yeah wow <laughs> okay this oh I is, hate oh. this guy oh no I'm rooting for him the whole show yeah <laughs> oh yeah yeah and then and then what happens is he gambles they win but then like they take him aside and like you can tell that Jim Bowen's kind of mad when he's talking to him as the credits are rolling he's like <laughs> He's, there's a little bit no, of tension there. was no there, entertainment like... value. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't give them a show. You know, no. I walked away with a speedboat, but I didn't give them anything. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, that's how it should be. Um, <laughs> what are we? Uh, I, I. What are we? What are we drinking? What are we? What have we got? I have a pomegranate old fashioned. Ooh! Oh. I thought it was just cranberry juice. What is it? Your period. Well. <laughs> <laughs> 
There are guys that you hit and there are guys that you can't hit. Now, that guy isn't exactly a guy you can't hit, (laughs) but I'm going to call it right now. You don't fucking hit him. That's amazing. Uh, Fuck um, it. Fuck it. Francis. Yeah, it's a pomegranate. Did you uh, did you make a syrup? It's a pomegranate yeah. old fashioned. No, no, we had a we had a fresh pomegranate. So I muddled, Ooh, um, wow. I muddled some of the seeds with <coughs> brown sugar, and orange bitters. Ooh, and, and do you know what? It was the Christmassiest thing I've ever tasted. That just that yeah. bit, right? Just brown sugar, pomegranate seeds, and orange bitters all muddled together. Ooh. And then I added uh, two ounces of whiskey. Um, supposed yeah. to use bourbon for an old fashioned, but I don't have much bourbon in. Okay. And then uh, you shake it up over ice, and it's taste oh, tasty, nice. very tasty. Yeah, looks nice. nice. Looks very nice. I'm gonna have it when I come over for Christmas. Merry Christmas, welcome, Suze. Shut up, make me a drink. That one, please. <laughs> <laughs> but Shut then up. you, but Chris has forgotten. Yeah, what you're like, that one is that one, yeah, that one. Like, you know, that and one. And then yeah, he goes, he goes, which one? And I go. Yeah, <laughs> and then it pans over. I have to pass to uh, Masuda. Masuda goes. The answer is a pomegranate old fashioned. <laughs> <laughs> Same energy the entire Christmas dinner. <laughs> I'm just like Chris is like, like worst Christmas ever. This is the worst Christmas. <laughs> so how, Chris, Masood, how's it going? Just... The answer is very well. What's it? <laughs> <laughs> Masood, can, uh, can you pass over the potatoes, please? The answer is yes, I can. <laughs> <laughs> what have you roasted these with? The answer is rosemary. <laughs> I'm still waiting for my fucking drink. Well, Suze, you can either have one drink or you can gamble. <laughs> and I go, gamble, please. And then I lose. So I just go in the drinks cabinet and start drinking stuff straight from the bottle like it's a regular episode. I quite enjoy the idea of like answering every question put to me in life as if I've got a quiz show. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, yeah, like well, at least one we, day. What have you got uh, here, Suze? Well, it's in a mug. So what would you say this is? And it's, oh, and I've been drinking it from the moment we went on Zoom. Because it was hot, I couldn't let it get cold. What do you uh, think? Is it a, a hot lemon and honey? It's not, but close. Hot lemon sip. No, it is a cocktail. Oh, is it hot toddy? Yeah, oh. but with a with a twist, smokehead whiskey. Ooh. Ooh, ooh. So we've got here. Boil up some ginger. Mm-mm. You don't like ginger. No, I hate it, but I do Whoa. like it in this. Boiled. Boiled, right. So you just get fresh ginger root, peel off the skin, chop it up. My agent told me to do this because uh, he hates me. And then um, he says it's really good if you're ill. So I chopped it up. Um, you just boil it in a pan with enough water to fill like three quarters of a cup. Add yeah. a load of lemon juice straight from a fresh plastic lemon juice bottle. <laughs> Two big tablespoons of I've been using just crystallized honey straight from the back of the cupboard. But you can use nice fresh honey if you like. Uh, and then a good old glug of smokehead, and you can boil it all together for about twenty minutes. Then yeah. just ooh. Well, you boiled, boiled some of the alcohol off as well, so it would be smoother. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I never thought of that. Shit, I don't oh, want to no. boil the alcohol off. Uh, I don't know though, because it make it taste nice. Like as it in does like because really yeah, nice. it'll meld together a bit. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. More. You've probably uh, seen me sipping on this bottle. Of <laughs> what is it? Yeah, what, wondering. What are this you is, on? What am I on? It's called. It's called a. Um, I've got work in the morning. Uh, <laughs> I've got yeah, a. Yeah. I've got a, a VO tomorrow, so I'm. Uh, oh Jesus. Anyway, yeah. Chris, <clears throat> what do you have for us today? The 1920 Wall Street bombing. <gasps> yeah! Wow. Ooh. 
if you have just joined us, by the way, we are doing a, well, what would we call this series? It's the... I guess kind of like geopolitics, war and espionage, but like kind of going through the 20th century with like uh, war and spy shit and things. I love that. That's exactly how I would describe it to people when they ask. War and spy shit. It's a a looser theme than the Hollywood one. Yeah, but I like it. It's still it's still a lot of fun. So, the- so we're out of the war now, <coughs> out of the First we're World War. War. And last week we had the super bad spy who predicted Pearl Harbor oh, yes. 20 years early. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, he died, he died <laughs> yeah. in 1923, um, yeah. but he predicted Pearl Harbor in like about 1920. This, uh, obviously the Wall Street bombing happened in 1920, September the 16th, 1920. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. At that point, it was... I believe like the worst act of deadliest act of terrorism on u.s soil at that point oh wow yeah 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 of course holy shit it killed 30 people instantly yeah a further 10 died later of their wounds 143 were seriously injured but the total number of injured was like way way more than that right yeah it's technically, it's still unsolved. No one knows who did it. No one really claimed responsibility. It was one minute past midday on Thursday, the September the 16th. And obviously Wall Street is in Manhattan. So it yeah. happened mm. there. A horse-drawn wagon went, it was, that, this because we're in 1920. So even though right, the automobile yeah. was a thing. Not everyone had, had one. Yeah, it's so weird. We had planes and tanks in uh, yeah. the First World War, but they're still using horses to draw. Wagons to draw. in the streets. Yeah. That's mad. Yeah. Like, yeah, car, cars at this point yeah. look like, still look a bit like horse-drawn carriages with an engine stuff. Yeah, like. and also it's, this it's, was, um, this was like, uh, this was, this was, um, my, my granddad had just been born. It's like, right. it, it's nuts when you think, well, actually think about the passage of time. I'm just imagining a car bomb in those times for like a mafia person, you know, like they have, it's like you hear the car not start in a film and then it's like, oh no. And then they realize they're like a horse drawn car bomb. It explodes after the the horse goes, yeah, the horse, (laughs) the horse goes, the horse is, the horse is just a bunch, like a barrel of dynamite and and like a bunch (laughs) of sticks and like. (laughs) <laughs> with the th- and he's like no his eyes go yeah you know that you know that scene in um in the Irishman where the plant like they're blowing up all the taxis yeah, all the cars and stuff. yeah. it's like in 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 this in this version uh, they're going around sticking uh, yeah sticking bombs in horses mouths <laughs> <laughs> hey does your horse smoke cigars what no <laughs> the horse is like Brr. So there. Uh, so it's uh, yeah. So it's it was mad, a. Though, it was right. one minute past midday, sixteenth mm. September, nine sixteen. Uh, wow. Uh, nine nine one six, uh, nineteen twenty, and um, uh, there was, it was it was lunchtime. So there was a lot of people around on Wall Street, and yeah. the horse-drawn carriage went through. I say carriage, wagon. Like, uh, yeah. uh, it stopped across the street from the HQ of J.P. Morgan and Company, which was a bank, multinational investment bank. Uh, yeah. At twenty three Wall Street, and that's the that was the financial district's busiest like intersection, like corner. Yeah. Inside oh, that wagon, a hundred pounds, which is forty five kilograms of dynamite, with five hundred pounds, which is two hundred thirty kilograms of heavy cast iron uh, sash weights, they exploded in a timer set detonation. Jesus, fucking hell! Blimey. And the horse and the wagon 
poor horse were blasted mm. into tiny pieces. Yeah, sure. Jesus, yeah. They're, they're probably instant death, so good. Yeah. yeah. If, you, and if you're going to die, you want it to be instant, don't you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the 40 people that died were mostly young people who were messengers, stenographers, clerks, and brokers. Oh. The bomb caused more than $2 million of damage. That was in 1920 money, which is about $26 million today. Shit. And that was property damage, and then it destroyed most of the, not just like cosmetic damage, but most of the inside of the J.P. Morgan and Company building. Right. And within one minute of the explosion, the president of the New York Stock Exchange uh, suspended trading in order to prevent a panic. What a good guy. That's good of him. Yeah, he's like, oh, we should probably, let's put a pause on it. Should we start for the day? No, no, no. Let's, uh, we'll, we'll come back to it. We'll come back to trading in a second. Just, Jesus. Okay, so he, he suspended it just, just for the day. We got money to make tomorrow, see? Take the rest of the day off, boys. Bum. <laughs> Shouldn't we, can we come back next week? <laughs> You're fired. <laughs> but Go find yourself some new jobs. It's actually worth mentioning that because what happened on the 12th of September 2001 was uh, the wow. stocks went... Yes, yeah. yes, that's true, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, so there's... Many, this... many say it's the big tragedy of that day. Yeah. <laughs> if only they'd stop trading. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe that day wouldn't live in such infamy. Anyway, taken... <laughs> the bomb bombing is unsolved. Yeah. Right. Therefore, it's a mystery. Mm-hmm. But... This might sound a little bit of a left turn because this is a two for one, but they might be linked. So now I'm going to rewind a few months to April the 15th, 1920. And I'd like Mm -hmm. to talk about the armed robbery of a shoe company in Massachusetts. Right. Oh, I'd love to... Okay. So five months. And we've got a shoe robbery in Massachusetts. Okay, it's not a robbery of shoes. It's just an armed robbery of a shoe company. It's a ro- it's a robbery of shoes, Chris. That's a spy. Give me all your shoes. <laughs> they held up a gun. They were like, "Fill this bag with your finest shoes," <laughs> and they ran down the street. And it was an IKEA bag, so there were loads of shoes in it. Right, and like they're like flying out as they're driving <laughs> off in the horse-grown carriage, like they're flying. And out. they've done a cartoon of it, and the shoes are sentient, and it's like that show the shoe people. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Shoe, shoe, shoe. Yeah, the shoe people. There was a uh, there was a ballet pump. Um, yeah, yeah. There was a clown shoe. Yeah, yes. man, that one was a laugh. There was a. <laughs> oh, God. There was like a there was, there was like a German clog. One. I remember. Like, wasn't yes. There? there was a gross boot. Yeah, there was one yeah. that was like falling apart. A flappy yeah. sole. Yeah. It was very stereotypical. Racist, some say. Yeah, it was a racist show about racist shoes. shoes. <laughs> <laughs> there, was there was a black shoe. There was a little Mexican shoe. I'm going to Google the shoe people. <laughs> I'm going to think of the national... It was like a lazy, a lazy Mexican shoe. <laughs> first broadcast in the UK in 1987. Oh, wow. uh, it was the first series from the West to be shown in the former Soviet Union. <laughs> they fucking oh, wow. love shoe people over in Russia. Over in Russia. <laughs> They're like, sha, 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 shoe people. <laughs> Do you think Rasputin would have loved shoe people? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well you know, he had from? big shoes, apparently. So Yeah. <laughs> He had, he had that big swinging dick, pair of big shoes, and he loved shoes. the shoe people. <laughs> where, where, where I wonder from? which I'm shoe from... has biggest <laughs> dick. <laughs> I'm, fr- I'm from England. You're from England. Shoe, 
Shoot people! Shoot people! Oh my god, I love shoot people! What the fuck is this guy talking about? <laughs> Do you reckon when it was made and they sold it to Russia, they were like popping champagne and, and doing high fives like it's the well, stock exchange? I'm pretty sure, didn't Gorbachev get a private screening? <laughs> <laughs> yes, my people will love the shoe people. Oh. <laughs> I cannot thank you enough for your beautiful shoe. This is easily best outcome of dissolution of Soviet Union. Of Soviet Union. <laughs> the Cold War is over. Thank goodness for shoe people. It is truly over. <laughs> when I first heard the theme tune of shoe people, I know Cold War is over. Let's talk a little bit more about the shoe people before we get back to it, because yeah. this is blowing my mind. <laughs> um, Absolutely. The shoe people was, was created by a guy called James Driscoll, who got the inspiration for the show from noticing that the style and appearance of people's shoes revealed things about their owners' personalities. Chinese! Um, he then wondered <laughs> He then wondered what stories these shoes could tell about themselves when they were new and when they gradually worn out. The theme song was written by Justin Hayward. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, it was the uh, lead singer of the Moody Blues. But I'm pretty sure, didn't he also sing what? in what? Jeff Wayne's War of the Worlds? <laughs> I think he did. What? The guy who wrote Nights in White Satin wrote sh 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 people. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. Wow. Oh, that's really funny. So the characters are PC Boots. He's, he's a policeman. policeman and a boot, so he's vile. A cat. <laughs> Charlie is the clown. Okay, he's lost. Yeah. He likes to perform magic tricks and juggling. He's he's a party dude. Do you remember what the uh, Do you remember what the boot was called? Um, Bootsy Collins. No, no, it's worse. Uh, the boot was Irish and called Trampy. Fox. Oh wow! Oh, okay. Jesus wow. Oh yeah. Here we go. Uh, there was Sergeant Major. Well, what was he? Who was a racist? He lives in <laughs> he, li he lives in Drill Hall and still thinks he's in the army. He was in the Foot Regiment. <laughs> What? So what? He's just a shoe. Uh, yeah, and they call him Sarge. He uh, should have a shoe name. There's Margot, who's the ballet pump. Yeah, Margot. Yeah. She had a voice like this, if yeah. I remember rightly. Uh, there's Wellington, and he loves being wet. Um, oh shit, man! He's filth. <laughs> uh, there's uh, there's Sneaker, and he likes to sneak around, and he takes things without asking people. Uh oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> There is uh, Gilda van der Klog. Right, oh, okay. So you've got a Dutch clog. clog. Yeah. She's a Dutch clog, yeah, uh, who lives in a windmill. That's a, why do they need a house? They're a shoe. Uh, at the end of all of these characters, right, it says, yeah. and it's on all of them, uh, yeah. he is voiced by Philip Whitchurch. She is voiced by Philip Whitchurch. He is voiced by Philip Whitchurch. Wow, Philip. You're saying that Philip Whitchurch wow. is the voice of all the things. There's, uh, there's, there's, uh, there's Man of a thousand voices. There's Flip Flop. Okay, no explanation needed. No. Yeah, a Flip Flop that went to the seaside with Trampy Sergeant Major Baby Booty and Charlie. She got swept away by the tide. Oh, oh fuck, man. That's horrifying. That's she is voiced by Philip Whitchurch. Um, <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Mr. Potter. He's the station master of the Shuten Railway Station. He rang up with PC Boot to warn him about a tree that fallen on the railway tracks and nearly cancelled the trip before Cheeky Charlie bought an elephant called Bertha to help remove the tree. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah, is he voiced by Philip? The answer is he's voiced by Philip Whitchurch. <laughs> <laughs> Who did the voices of the shoe people? The answer is Philip Whitchurch. <laughs> 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 Chris? Chris is like a variety of people. And they're like, no, Chris, that's wrong again. He's your specialist subject. <laughs> yeah, he's the mastermind. He's masterminded. He's talking about the shoe people. Uh, <laughs> and they're like, who? And it's all just like, he's just going, um, and who did the voice of Trampy the boot? The answer is Philip Whitchard. <laughs> <laughs> and who did the voice of Margot? The answer is Philip Whitchard. Uh, there is Sid, Sid Slipper, who's an elderly slipper. 
Mm-hmm. Um, oh, Slippers yeah. are old. Uh, he is voiced by Philip Witchett. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> Marshall. Marshall's a cowboy who loves country and western oh. music. He's voiced by Philip Witchett. That's racist right, okay. as I thought, actually. <laughs> no, Trampy the Irish Boot, though. That's, that's bad. bad. That's, that's really bad. bad. Uh, that's I really thought bad. I, th- I was convinced there was going to be a... Well, uh, uh, you wait, though. Uh, One of them will have, like, some jive voice, and you'll go, oh, <laughs> Philip, Philip. There is also, um, there is also uh, a, a subsection of characters here called new characters. Hmm? Oh, did the Russians hate that? There is Beverly. More. More. No, I like <laughs> original line above shoot people. <laughs> There's Beverly... Uh, Beverly comes all the way from LA. So she shows. She likes show cheerleading and wears a gorgeous blonde ponytail in her hair and earrings on her sides. In her hair, she's yeah, a shoe. She's a shoe. She's got shoe. Yeah, she's got hair. Uh, Bebop <laughs> and Alula. Uh oh. They're a 1950s couple who love to dance to rock and roll music. Uh, okay. Bebop has hair as well, like Elvis Presley, and Alula has hair. Mental. Bit of I think they've deviated from the original idea here. Yeah, it sounds yeah. like um, what they actually wanted to do was just make a soap opera, yeah. <clears> but they were like stuck making shoes. Uh, they are a bit like Danny and Sandy from musical Grease. Oh, right. They've just okay. got names that are silly. Uh, Morris. Uh, Morris is a miner who works in the underground. Uh, that's good, that's clever. Go. He loves that's digging good. and has a light on his hard hat. But what kind of shoe is he? Yeah, what kind of shoe is it? <laughs> you can't just say they've got a hat on. Yeah. Toby is the world's best actor and loves to performed works of Shakespeare. Right. Is he the world's best actor? Is, is he the world's best actor for a man or for a shoe? I think he's the best shoe actor, yeah. Yeah. Fuck, he's okay, the he's the, best there's Doctor Merriweather, and he's the doctor in Shoe Town. But what kind of shoe does a doctor? You don't have a doctor shoe, do you? Yeah, so Trampy's soul is still flapping off. That doctor. Uh, oh, is hello. Unlicensed. Listen to this, and yeah. I think this is probably because of the market out there. Uh, yeah. A later character that was introduced was Sasha, who was a Russian boot, who comes all the way from <gasps> oh, Russia. He is voiced by Philip Whitchurch. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! Hey, what, what political system do you think the shoe people operated under? Communism. I, I think it's communism. <laughs> communism. <laughs> they were like, "Hey, look over there! It's Joe's shoe, Stalin." <laughs> it's definitely our president. Joe's shoe, Stalin. It definitely masquerades as capitalism, though, on the surface, so that anyone who comes sniffing thinks that it's all good. But Absolutely. Then it turns out that everyone in Shoe Town is poor and very hungry. Yeah, um, you wait. Trampy go disappears in mysterious circumstances when yeah, he speaks out about show. the regime. <laughs> there is Farmer Fred. There's Coach. There's Officer Malone. There's the Boot Boys, and they're a trio of roller skates. You, the boot you boys. fucking need two roller skates. <laughs> yeah, but there's only one of each shoe, so these yeah. are just three mates. Um, so the the boot Boot Boys are a trio of roller skates, sometimes referred to as the roller skate gang. The Boot Boys are Spike the leader, Ace the silly one, and Rowdy the dopey one. What? Oh man. The dopey one is um, very violent. He's like yeah. a dumb goon heavy. They, lo- they love to cause trouble in shoe town. They're always up to no good. They are voiced by Philip Witcher. <laughs> <laughs> when, when you said the dopey one likes it, is violent in my head, I was like, what, Lenny? Lenny from... Mice of Men. Yeah. <laughs> Style is just like, he's just a <laughs> He's also like, he, he, yeah, he's, um, he's a roller skate. But uh, like he's starting to question his existence as a shoe, and they think he's stupid, but he isn't. Yeah, yeah, he's just sort of yeah. He's like, well, wait a minute, I'm not yeah. a shoe technically. He's been reincarnated, right? He was Henry Kissinger. <laughs> <laughs> There's also Mrs. C, Mrs. S, and Miss W, and they're three teachers who help keep the boots out of trouble. Okay. <laughs> Guess who they're voiced by? Um, it... Now it's someone called Louise Kelman. Oh what? Hang on a minute. <laughs> oh. They brought in a woman. Because she was boffing off Whitchurch. 
<laughs> oh yeah, so let's uh, let's get back to uh, explosion, uh, the, the, the armed robbery and the shoe people. Back. Oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, the reason I bring that up is because yeah. uh, it was a a guard and a paymaster. I'm not sure what a paymaster <laughs> is actually. Uh, oh, it's someone appointed by a group of buyers, sellers, investors, and lenders to look after the money, basically the commissions and okay. everything. So right. um, the guard and the paymaster were killed, murdered during this armed killed. robbery of Slater and Morrill Shoe Company in Ma- Braintree, Massachusetts. The reason that this might have ramifications that eventually would lead to the big Wall Street bombing five months later is because Italian immigrants called Nicola Sacco and Bartolomeo Vansetti they were arrested and tried, convicted of the robbery and the murder. Okay. Uh, eventually, they were, uh, uh, and it didn't take the jury long, but they were convicted of it uh, at a trial the following year in 1921, so after the bombing. But the okay. fact of the matter is is that they were like very publicly arrested, accused, and, 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 and tried. Um, yeah. The upshot for them was that actually seven years later, they were electrocuted in the electric chair. They were executed for this. But when they were arrested and, uh, uh, and accused of it, they were, um, uh, there was a the public outcry that this was anti-Italian Ooh, bias. Right. Yeah. When they were actually executed, there were protests around the world, like Tokyo, Sydney, Melbourne, Sao Paulo, Rio de Janeiro, Buenos Aires, Dubai, Montevideo, and uh, Johannesburg and Auckland. Like uh, a lot of celebrated writers and artists and academics around the time, uh, yeah. p- p- like were trying to get a pardon or a new trial after they were convicted. Right. Um, okay, okay. Like that's, this... like, it's, uh, that's such a strange thing, like in 1920s to imagine yeah. that around the world everyone's like, because also there's no there's no internet, so who's seeing the photos? Yes, yeah, so <laughs> uh, yeah, you're right. It was like what was <laughs> what was strange about it was so this this armed robbery in a shoe factory, yeah, became this sort of like huge political tool. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 Anti-Italianism, anti-immigrant, and anti-anarchist bias because they they were actually part of a uh, an anarchist group so that that was suspected that having influenced the verdict like appeal followed appeal followed appeal there was a private sarco and vansetti defense committee set up to fund the appeals Whoa. Uh, and they were based on recanted testimony conflicting ballistics evidence which sort of was like they probably couldn't have done it and then also like a prejudiced pre-trial statement by the jury foreman himself um, mm-hmm. and a confession by an alleged participant in the robbery that wasn't them. So the defence committee had like, well, we've got evidence here that probably says they didn't do it, but none of it was really listened to. So all appeals were denied, Fuck. all of them. Wow. And then because they kept getting, it was by, it was actually like six years later, 1926, it had drawn worldwide attention. And then yeah. as details of the trial and their suspected innocence became known around the world, Sarko and Vansetti became the centre of one of the largest cause célèbre in modern history. This armed robber in a shoe factory became enormous. Yeah. But this was like seven years later when they got executed for it. But the fact of the matter is, it happened in April 15th, 1920, a few months before the Wall Street bombing, and they were believed to be innocent even then. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This tiny little shoe factory, like the, where, where two two people were killed in the robbery, had ramifications for decades later. So investigations into the aftermath of the executions they carried on even into the nineteen forties. Fucking hell! What? And the, how much was taken from this shoe factory? Do we know? Yeah. Two men were robbed and killed while transporting the company's payroll into. Oh shit! Suburbs. So it's a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. One of them was shot four times as he went for his gun. He went for his gun, and okay, they shot yeah. him four times. Uh, oh. His gun wasn't recovered from the scene. The other man was an unarmed paymaster who was obviously mm-hmm. just overseeing the transportation of the money. He was shot yeah. twice, once in the chest and then in the back as he attempted to flee. The, yeah. So this means there's no witnesses. The robbers seized the payroll boxes and escaped in a stolen car that was carrying other men. And then uh, mm-hmm. as the car was being driven away, the, car, the, the robbers filed wildly at other company workers that were sort of in the vicinity. Uh, okay. The coroner's report and subsequent ballistic investigation said that six bullets removed from the murders men bodies were of .32 automatic caliber. Five of these were all fired from a single semi-automatic pistol. .32 caliber Savage Model 1907, which was, which used a particularly narrow grooved barrel, so it was distinctive okay. basically. Yeah. Two of the bullets were recovered from the security guard's body, and then yeah. uh, four shell casings were found at the murder scene, manufactured by. They could trace basically the guns and the bullets. Was any of them okay. fired from the security guard's gun, or because you said that? No, gun no, was he reached recovered. for it, but that they shot him before. Oh, he never shot. Yeah, okay, yeah. Right, right, right. Uh, two days after the robbery, police also located the car that they fleed in, and there were yeah. several twelve-gauge shotgun shells found nearby, near to the car, because they were firing as they went. But they were probably yeah. firing to be sort of like out of the way. They weren't. Firing, yeah. like, um, Use the horn. What are you doing? Bullets are expensive. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we've just robbed a shoe factory. Yeah. <laughs> we can afford it. We, don't, yeah, we, can we can afford all sorts of bullets. We can afford bullets that look like shoes. This is why I don't want to bring you. You're a fucking idiot. You don't know what you're doing. This, this, this is the best episode of Shoe People I've ever So they, yeah, so they've uh, they've definitely made a, a huge ruckus and have gotten yeah. away with all this money. An earlier attempted robbery of another shoe factory uh, had occurred Christmas Eve the year before, so like a few months before that, uh, by people identified as Italian by a witness who used a car similar. Uh, okay. <clears throat> uh, and then police speculated that Italian anarchists had been doing the robberies to finance their activities. Um, right. Uh, Italian anarchists were kind of rife at the time, and I'll tell you why. They were called Gallianists. I think I've said Gallianists. that right. Gallianists. Yeah. Gallianists. They were followers of an anarchist called Luigi Gallini. Gallianini. Okay. Yeah, and there was a campaign of bombings from 1914 onwards 
uh, they followed this guy and his message of heroic violence and it was all to do with capitalist oppression right uh, like a Robin Hood type deal where he's like we'll uh, rob from these people and then we'll bomb stuff that kind of thing or yeah kind of the the Galleonists they formed uh, something called the Brescia Circle which is in honour of the guy that assassinated the king of Italy in 1900 okay so then there was a lot of like by 1914 600 members of the Galleonists would meet regularly in Harlem Jesus yeah and then there was a lot of bombs that were definitely them yeah the police suspected that they'd robbed they knocked off the shoe company to fund mm. this and then uh, one of the massachusetts police chiefs suspected that a guy called ferruccio coacci was involved and apparently coacci also lived with a prominent anarchist called mario buddha yeah so then they the federal Im- immigration service called chief stewart to discuss the galleonist coacci and he was slated for deportation on april the 15th 1920 which was the day yeah. of Robbery. Of course, of the robbery. Oh shit! In my head, um, the other guy didn't know that Mario was one of these. <laughs> was one of these guys. He's like, you come home every day. You, you got all this money. You smell like gunpowder. Mm. What the fuck's going on? <laughs> but get this. So you'd think he would have been then been deported on the fifteenth. However, yeah, he telephoned with the excuse that his wife was ill. <laughs> like, no, I can't go. We can't deport I him. can't go. I can't go back to Italy. My wife's sick. She got the trots. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and then uh, he's like, ha, 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 it's just a cold. She's got the trots. Hang on, is the trots, is the trots the shit? Yeah. <laughs> what, the trots? Because I just, uh, my brain had to catch up, but that's <laughs> the funniest thing to pick. She's got the trots. I'm sorry, she's got the trots. <laughs> and she's there going, I haven't. Are you telling it? Don't you lie to them? You deport him right away. Like, <laughs> you go back to fucking Italy for saying that. I'm uh, so embarrassed. Do you know what? I'll be glad to see the back of you if you're going to go around saying to everyone that I'm shitting my brains out. <laughs> Ferruccio, I am so disappointed in you. <laughs> take him, take him. He's a fucking liar. <laughs> um, anyway. No, no, no. She's not here. I tell you. Is this is my friend. Right now, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, they uh, officers went, they discovered him at home and said, oh, you've given a false alibi for, uh, for not showing up for deportation. They offered him another week. They were like, you stay oh, wow, for another week. these guys are lenient. <laughs> you stay for another week. Yeah. Uh, but then Koechi actually declined and he went, no, nah, I'm going to go now. And then he left for Italy himself <laughs> along with his family, along with his possessions. <laughs> yeah. Um, <It's>, uh... <laughs> Uh, but then after that, after that, they went back to the coach home, but only Buddha was living there at this point. And when questioned, he said that Koachi had owned a .32 Savage automatic pistol that he kept in the kitchen. Shit. They didn't find that gun in the search of the kitchen, but they, they did find <laughs> the manufacturer's technical diagram for the Model 1907, <laughs> which was the exact type of pistol that was used to shoot Parmentrum. Uh, oh, yeah, you can stay for a week. Let's go now. Fuck me. He just um, fucking went with the murder weapon. And this is, this is like, I think this is a balls of steel. The, 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 the police chief then asked Buddha, do you have a gun? And, uh, <laughs> and Buddha was like, I do, yeah. And then he produced a .32 caliber automatic <laughs> pistol. Oh my God. <laughs> fucking hell, man. Wow. They're anyway. not, I mean, they're not very good at evading the police, no. are they? <laughs> Uh, Stuart, the police chief, then discovered that Coachi had worked for both of the shoe factories that had been what? Oh my that God. Had been robbed. Of yeah. Inside job, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when he went back to uh, the house that Mario Buda was now in alone, Mario Buda was not there. He'd done a runner. Yeah. 
Yeah. And on May the 5th, 1920... <laughs> He's just like, oh, shit. The gun, of course, the robbery. Shit. should not have told them, and I had this fucking should, gun. Yeah. Do you have a gun? Yes. I mean, no. I no. Mean, oh, yes. God. But I shoot self in head. Yeah. <laughs> Do you mean this a gun? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Mario Buda was not home, but on May the 5th, which was like a month afterwards, uh, he arrived at a, a garage where the car was at, um, yeah. uh, with three other men, Sarko, Vansetti, who were the two that were arrested eventually, course, and Ricardo, yeah. and they were all they all got on. They all knew each other. Buda would later refer to Sarko and Vansetti, the two men arrested, as the best friends I had in America. Uh, okay. Police were called, but they left. Buda did, like vanished and didn't resurface until 1928 back in Italy. Holy like shit. he just went off grid. Um, yeah. Sarko and Vansetti were tracked down and arrested. Uh, they were searched by the police, denied owning owning any guns, but they were found to be holding loaded. Pistols. <laughs> um, uh, Sarko was found to have an Italian passport, anarchist literature, a loaded point thirty two Colt Model nineteen oh three automatic pistol, uh, and several like cartridges. So I mean, listen, it's... I'm not saying these two guys weren't anarchists. Yeah. But there was some doubt whether or not they had knocked off the shoe factory. Yeah, I think like you know if you're standing there with a gun that's the same type of gun that was shot at the thing yeah. and a bunch of cash, and 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 anarchist literature, you. It looks bad. It looks bad, okay? Yeah. I'm just saying. So we're, we're going to get ahead of ourselves to then go into the subsequent trials. The reason I wanted... Maybe we'll come back to it in a future episode, but the reason I wanted to bring it up was because of the knock-on effect of how this might have led to the Wall Street bombing. Okay. How could it have led to the Wall Street bombing? Well, they were arrested, Sarko and Vansetti. Uh, I yeah. do remember, keep this in your mind, that eventually they were executed. They weren't yes. at this point, but it was pretty obvious that there was some anti-Italian, anti-immigration right. sentiment in Going the... On, yeah. yeah, they just denied all appeals. It wasn't like... Yeah. yeah. So, shit, not long afterwards... It's good that stuff like that doesn't happen in America anymore. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm glad they've sorted it out. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about Mario Buda who was the guy yeah. that just vanished for... Eight uh, years? Uh, yeah, eight years. Um, in fact, actually, he uh, he was born in 1884. He lived to uh, the age of 78. So he lived until 1963. He lived for another 40-odd years. Jesus. Um, he was born in Italy in the city of Savignano sul Rubiconi, which was a centre of anarchism. Because Italy was very tumultuous in the 19th mm. century. Yeah. Um, and he was uh, arrested for robbery. He faced a conviction for noise pollution in the night. Noise pollution in the yeah, night? Yeah, he was too, too noisy, noisy, noisy boy. <laughs> After he was discharged from jail, Buddha went to work as an apprentice shoemaker. Oh, shit. Okay. But he couldn't get, he couldn't, he couldn't keep a job down, no economic stability, so he decided to fuck off to America in 1907. There he was hired to work as a gardener, mason, a telephone company, hat factory, like a lot of little jobs. Yeah. In 1911, he returned to Italy, but then two years later, he went back to the United States, where he worked as a labourer in the footwear industry. Now, uh, while he was in the United States, that's where he met Sarko and Vansetti. Yes. There was a strike in 1913, and that's when he began to attend the anarchist group. They got him in, the Gallianists. Yeah, uh, right. And then he became sort of like devoted to the cause. Is what was known as a propaganda of the deed. What's that? 
It's a literal translation of a French thing called propagande par le fait, which is it's specific political direct action meant to be exemplary to others and serve as a catalyst for revolution. So it's meant to be bringing about a change right. for the good. So it's but okay well, without kind of like implied no qualms about being as violent as you need to be to do that. Yeah. So for yeah. example, that's why the King of Italy was assassinated in 1900. It was just like fuck Shit, it, yeah. kill him. Yeah. Right. Wow. Fuck. Okay. Right. So that's uh, so, their that's their kind of drive. That's yeah, and he became like super into the Gallianists. So in 1916, he was arrested for taking part in a demonstration against the U.S. intervention in World War One. Okay. He while he was being, while well, during the proceedings against him, he refused to take oath on the Bible, uh, because part of the Gallianists thing was like God didn't exist. Mm, okay. They didn't, be- didn't believe in okay. gods. Which yeah. even it's only a hundred years ago, but that's quite like whoa. Yeah, yeah, they, 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 yeah. They, they didn't believe yeah. in God. They believed in free love. Fifty years before. Wow, oh, they were the original yeah. therapies. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 they were. So uh, free love. Well, uh, yeah, the, the protests against America's intervention in the war. That's a, I was about to say. Yeah. stinking hippies. <laughs> yeah. well, and, and, and not only this, they, they, it, there was like there was like a bubbling undercurrent of communism as well. They were like it was anti-capitalist as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. Of, and also, if you think about it, they could probably see where capitalism was going to go and weren't keen on it so yeah. yeah well it's less than 10 years till the wall street crash uh yeah exactly that's right yeah, yeah and that's yeah. and it's probably yeah. why wall street was targeted in the wall street bombing now yeah um, it's a bit guy yeah. foxy isn't it yeah so he was sentenced to five months in prison in 1917 he to escape the call of the army after the u.s went into the war because the u.s went into the war again fairly late <laughs> yeah um, yeah uh, well, this is the first time. This is the first time they showed up. Like, yeah, so to escape, <laughs> yeah. to escape the draft, he went with Sacco and Vanzetti to Mexico, where they met a really lazy shoe. And a sombrero on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, you got sold. <laughs> you got oh. sold, man. I'm telling you. Yeah, so uh, there was a there was a vi- like a, a thriving community of Italian a- anarchists in where they went to in Mexico. Um, yeah. There is a chance that when Sacco and Vansetti were arrested for the murder of the two people in the armed robbery of the shoe factory, it was the Gallianists that wanted to take revenge. More importantly, right. a particular Gallianist who probably would have been very, very keen on actually doing it, yeah. which was Mario Buda. Mario Buda. So the, ti- Shuda. The, timi- yeah. the timing of it is such that like it's what a few months after they got arrested for it yeah Yeah. Uh, a few months after the actual crime itself that as well as sort of like wanting to take down uh capitalist america there's also like a personal stake for buddha which is like yeah yeah, because he's like these are my buddies (laughs) yeah and maybe they didn't do it because buddha did it so like maybe it's a case of like well i can see why you thought they did it but they fucking didn't yeah. Mm. Fucking hell. Yeah. yeah, you know what? Actually, it's weird, like this again, this is this is something that crops up so much when we do this is like is that thing of like the patterns and seeing stuff. But then here, I don't know, it feels like it's that's kinda plausible. I think like you've got a lot of yeah, it, it seems like it's the only group of people that have a vested yeah. interest no. in doing that. Uh there's another yeah, so there's another thing why it might because the Gallianists followed a guy called Luigi Galliani. So yeah. Like, yeah. there's another reason why this might have, why they then might have taken personal revenge for Sarko and Vansetti. Mm-hmm. Because Galliani, Galliani, I can't say it. It's so dumb because it. it looks like it should be easily pronounceable. But I don't know yeah. where the stress comes. 
I see. <laughs> oh, the I mean? stress comes from working with you two. Yeah. Is, oh. yeah. <laughs> is there not a, a Wikipedia like where someone sounds it out? Galeonese. Gal. Maybe it's just Galani. Galiani? Galani. Galiani. Galiani um, is a designer, isn't he? So it might just be the same yeah, name yeah. as so that. Yeah, so he was actually deported. Galliano. He was deported to Italy the year before in 1919. So okay. what, that could have created a power vacuum with the Gallianists left in yeah, New York. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Buddha would have been left behind. And I guess so would have Sarko and Vansetti. And, mm. um, yeah, shit. Yeah, so then they're just like, right now, we now there's no one here. We can do whatever the fuck we want. We do whatever. Hey guys, carry your pistols with you. Yeah. No one's gonna stop you. We're the fucking Galliano. But also, there's the, there's the timing of um, there's the timing of how like so for example, when the police then went and looking for Sarko and Vansetti, and they found Coach uh, Ferruccio. You know the the guy the guy who said that his wife had the trucks. <laughs> the guy got deported. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so yeah, it's they when they found when they caught up with him, Ferruccio Coacci, yeah, Coacci. They caught yeah. up with him, and he was supposed to be deported. They offered him an extra week, but he then went, "No, nah, I'll go anyway." Yeah. So he went in April the eighth, April the eighteenth, nineteen twenty. Rules him out, I think, for the Wall Street bombing yes. because that was like he's gone. He's not yeah. in the U.S. anymore. Sacco and Vansetti were under police custody at that time. So they, they couldn't have done it. Yeah. <laughs> Which leaves Buddha. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Buddha was still there when the Wall Street bombing happened. He had a reason to be angry, er, yeah. than he was. And Galliani went there. So yeah. Because he, he disappears for eight fucking years. Uh, well, just, afterwards, after this, yeah. so this yeah. is when so Buddha goes back to Italy not long after the Wall Street bombing. Yeah. Right. See, that's, I don't know, it feels very fishy. Uh, yeah, it's one of those things, isn't it, where it's like, you know, the most obvious thing is usually the thing. You aren't going to believe. Uh, somebody. It's somebody's razor, I don't remember who. But oh. it's, it's, uh, <laughs> Buddha's razor. This is a nice little <laughs> detail. And also, this is what I mean about the timing of the Wall Street bombing, maybe in relation to Sarko and Vansetti being charged. So the robbery of the shoe company that those two men were murdered in, took yeah. place in April 1920. The bombing took place September the 16th, 1920. Mm. What day do you think they were actually charged with the robbery and the murder? Ooh, uh, September 11th. It was. It was September <laughs> no. the 11th, 1920. Oh, I was they, being they, silly. Yeah. yeah. I, was, I, I ruled that out. Sacco and Vansetti, Buddha's best friends in America, were charged yeah. with the robbery and the murder on 9-11-1920. And that means, and the climate, which is already like boiling over with anti-anarchist laws, the deportation yeah. of Galini himself, yeah. it was like coming to a proper head. Yeah. And then of course, once the bombing happens, hundred and like 40 people are dead, hundreds are more injured. Yeah. And about 150 of those very seriously. Um, horses killed. They, yeah. Buddha fucks off back to Italy yeah. And disappears for eight years. Not long yeah. after that. Oh my I think, god! I think it's pretty. Even though the case is officially open, and I don't really know who did it. I think it's probably Buda. Quite likely. But what do you uh, think? Yeah. What? Do you, oh, incidentally, there's also another a little coda to that. In 1955, yeah. Buda allegedly admitted to his nephew that he'd built the bomb 
the, I'd like to know go. how yeah. you know when you hear about these these confessions be like they admitted to like a family member like did they get him really drunk like I think he fucking did it let's get him plastered <laughs> and he's gonna just like yeah. he's gonna get loose they're like we've been waiting us. for this because he escaped yeah. went off grid for eight years and then carried on living in Italy under a pseudonym he was never actually brought to trial for any Fuck. of the crimes and then he died in 1963 but right so we'll never actually know but I think yeah it's possible the the reason that i thought i would bring up this in terms of the series is because for several reasons first of all it's sort of like at the beginning of prohibition yeah uh it's not that long it's an attack on wall street not that long before the wall street crash yeah oh the 20s in america were insane weren't they? and it's it's also not long after the war uh these are italian anarchists at a time where the mafia was starting to get Mm. a foothold there as well and there's something called the black hand you know what the black hand is that's i've read about this in a book it was like a factual um Story. It's the, like a biography of the mafia, basically. Yeah, so Black Hand. Yeah, is, yeah it's it's basically a type of an extortion racket, but specifically Italian based. So oh, okay. it, it was originally developed in the 18th century, in the 1700s. Yeah. Black Hand extortion came to the United States in the later 19th century with Italian immigrants. What? What? It, why is it specifically? What uh, is, what it, okay, what so it was a, it was a method of extortion, and then gangsters of the mafia practiced that method so oh, right. it's sort of like yeah it's sort of like it was if you, if you think it came over with italian immigrants into america then you can guarantee it yeah it carried on being it's a really it's a really cool name because it sounds like the black hand um, yeah yeah, yeah. It? so it's yeah it's like the mafia always operate on like it's oh yeah like, it's helpful if we're feared so yeah give everything a scary name because buddha and gallini were part of this moving into the 20th century i think it had a seismic impact on crime mm. crime and politics in the states and oh, therefore yeah. the world yeah for sure and there's an also cooler little thing as well uh, about buddha himself the communist newspaper of france claimed that mario buddha was actually a spy for mussolini's secret police what oh Because obviously he went back to Italy after all of yeah, this. Yeah, of course, to report all of his stuff. It's like, yeah, they get they have a Wall Street. And then he also went to France. So let's talk a little bit about Buddha as a coder coder. He arrived back in Italy. He was arrested in Savignano. He was being charged with having participated in uh, clashes between fascists and anti-fascists in 1921. Apparently during those clashes, he'd killed a police sergeant. He was accused along with 15 other people, but they were all acquitted due to lack of evidence. Following year, during a search of his home, police found numerous letters which he'd received from American anarchists he kept in touch with from his time there, including a letter written by Sarko, uh, who was obviously uh, arrested for that thing. Then between 1925 and 1927, he commuted to Rimini, where he went back to shoemaking. Uh, Rimini's in Italy, by the way. Yeah. He made no secret of his friendship with Sarko and Vansetti, who had then, while he'd been out there, been sentenced to death back in America. Three days before their execution, he was arrested and later sentenced to five years of confinement to be served in Lipari, uh, which is an island. Kind of like Papillon? (laughs) It's actually, it's an island off Sicily. (laughs) Oh, shit. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And there he met Galliani again. 
And then in 1932, he was moved to Ponza, and then he was set free. He moved for two months to Switzerland, after which he returned home to Savignano. But it was in France that claimed uh, the communist newspaper said that he'd come to France to betray other anarchists to the authorities while working for Mussolini. For Mussolini. Yeah. Fucking. And apparently his cover was as a shoe salesman. Oh, classic. Oh. See, Buddha, you don't even have to practice anything. Just do your job. <laughs> I wanted to do the Wall Street bombing initially, and then I found all this stuff out, and I was like... It's nuts, it's isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I had no idea of all this other stuff of, like, the... And this, I think... Yeah, I think Buddha did it. I think Buddha did it. It seems like a no-brainer. And it does... Yeah. yeah, I think Buddha did it. And it does kind of, like, tee up the, the prohibition depression and mafia in the coming episodes so it was yes. sort of like it felt like a good thing to do Absolutely. as a jumping off point yeah for sure and yeah. technically a mystery because the wall street bombing was never solved well yeah. yes absolutely oh boop, shit boop, thanks chris boop. that's fucking that awesome that was, it's and strange. i'd never heard of the 1920 wall street bombing no i, I, like I should have done oh the way you reacted to it when i said when masood said what have I, what what have you got for us chris and i dropped yeah. that you were like ooh. yeah because that's because it sounds so juicy it's this well i'm sorry that it ended up being about shoes <laughs> no it's the best thing that's ever happened to me i love shoes i'm a woman the, um, <laughs> the you know what us women love we love shoes and diamonds true what? crime and shoes but the uh, yeah the, the, uh, I'm really looking forward to talking about the black hand and it's and how yeah. it beco- eventually becomes the the mafia and stuff yeah for oh, sure. the the birth of the mafia in America is fascinating oh it's so interesting yeah there's a song now and the song is the specially composed theme tune that was made for the new Russian shoe people <laughs> uh, the Russian edition um, and it, the voice is by Philip Whitchurch all the voices you're about to hear are by Philip Whitchurch Oh Bovad Ludvi Oh Bovad Ludvi Oh Bovad Ludvi Tak mnogo Bovad Tak mnogo Bovad Oh Bovad Ludvi Oh Bovad Ludvi Show people Russia. All voices by Philip Whitchurch. Except this one. I am Vladimir Putin. Obuvat Ludvi. <laughs> Ah, I really did this. Just went ahead and did this. Thanks for listening. He's amazing, isn't he? He's like a chameleon. He, a vocal chameleon. Yeah. I mean, it's we could all take something from him. You know, young voice actors out there. Yeah. Google shoe people and and see that. Philip Whitchurch feet (laughs) butin. Uh, it's sure, 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 people. It's crazy because like this was such a like and like Sue says we didn't know anything about this right. No. And every time we do these, I'm like, why is there not a movie about that? There's lots of crazy yeah. shit that happened in there. Like that could be a film. Uh, there is a movie which deals with the Wall Street bombing, but not the shoe factory robbery. There is one about that shoe robbery. Is that um, Tony Collette? And Cameron Diaz won in her shoes. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> They're both doing very bad Italian because accents. Because Cameron Diaz is always stealing her shoes. That is um, the actual storyline of that. There film. is a there's an indie film called No God No Master, and the bombing was the closing scene of the. Ooh, uh, it's called No God No Master. What? Dave, David Strathairn's in it. Okay. Yeah. Um, I always like a film that does that and does it at the beginning, that like Sully did, where it's like the plane crash happens now, and then you're like, oh, and the rest of the film is like the aftermath. You're like, oh, I ah. didn't know that. Yeah. Have you ever seen? Um, have you seen in Thirty Rock? It's like a year after that, um, the Sully crash on the on the river, uh, yeah. and that it Matt Damon is in Thirty Rock playing a pilot, and they mention Sully, and um, he's like <laughs> Matt Damon's character goes, yeah, people. People say he's a hero, but you know what I do? I don't hit birds. <laughs> <laughs> I take off and don't hit birds. See, <laughs> yeah, I imagine every pilot's like, yeah, I could have done that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, what he did was pretty obvious stuff. Yeah. I mean, if it were me, yeah, you definitely... Yeah. The only reason I haven't done that is because of timing, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just timing. It's why I haven't lived. Uh, I, heard, I heard that when he landed the plane, Sully pissed in the Hudson. <laughs> yeah, people say he's a hero, but he was pissing the whole way down. Uh, oh, well. well. All right. Well, uh, thank Join you our person. Patreon and get all crazy extras, guys. It's you get so episodes good. a couple of days early, and you yeah. get outtakes, and you get minisodes. Yes, oh, if you join, yeah. you, will, you will get lots of stuff. Got merch. Lots of stuff. Yeah, you Got get all free stuff. T-shirt, poster, mug, and hoodie. But yeah, the yeah. mug and the hoodie, not yet. I'm yeah, looking forward yet. to... I want the hoodie. The hoodie will be great. I'd yeah. love a hoodie. I'd love a Mr. Unlocks uh, hoodie. Yeah. Also, I think it'd be good if we... Uh, do you want know, small, medium, with... or do you want large? <laughs> I don't know how you like your hoodies. Do you like them to envelop you? Do you Look, like, uh... if it's small, it's still going to be like a bloody dress. That's the way these things are sized. Then they, if it'd be good, like, oh, here, here's me holding my Mister on the Rocks mug on Twitter, and people are like, how do I get that? Oh, join the Patreon. Okay. I thought you were going to say, here's me holding my Mister on the Rocks mug, and it's like, wow, you have it an extra, extra large. That's crazy. <laughs> that mug's huge. <laughs> Um, you can also find us on all of your favorite podcast, whatever things that you listen on, on Spotify or Podbean or whatever your chosen thing is. How are you listening to it now? We're on it. Uh, yes, we're on that. Whatever you listen to it on, we're Just on get that. Get it on there. Um, do leave a review uh, and be like, "Yo, this is really great." It genuinely helps other people find the show as well. So uh, yeah, it's nice. It's nice. It's nice that you want to keep us a secret, but tell everyone. <laughs> but tell everyone you know, and tell them to tell five people, and then it just keeps going. Um, thank you so much, everybody. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.